Hi, this is Pastor Marquez Ball of the Uplift Church in Laurel, Maryland. Listen, it is my prayer that this word is a blessing in your life. I pray that it's uplifting to your mind, uplifting to your heart, and uplifting to your spirit. Check us out online at upliftmd.com. God bless. Before you take your seats, do me a favor with a smile on your face, a joy in your heart, the kind of smile on your face, joy in your heart that says my increase has already started coming type smile on your face, joy in your heart. Like your breakthrough hit you last night type smile on your face, joy in your heart. Say neighbor. neighbor. Good morning. Good, morning. Good, morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. Sure glad you got up to church. Amen. Amen. This morning's sermon is maximize. Momentum. Maximize momentum. Look at another neighbor with that same smile on your face, same joy in your heart, the same kind of smile on your face. It simply said, I put my hand in my pocket, put my keys and found a 20 type smile on your face. Joy in your heart, like neighbor. Good morning. Good to see you. So glad you made it to church. This morning's sermon is Maximize Momentum. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it's once again that I stand to proclaim your word. I pray, dear Lord, that I decrease and that you increase mightily, that these, your people, would see and hear less of me and more of thee. Take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and make them to be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our God, our strength and our redeemer. Father, I have studied, but I need your strength. I have prepared, but I need your power. I'm willing and I want to, but I need you to make me able. Silently now, I'll wait for thee. Ready, my Lord, thou wilt to see. Open mine eyes and lift me, Spirit divine. Lord, prepare us to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Maximize momentum. Um, I will never forget one of the most unique flights I've ever had in life. So let me let me set the scenario for you. Let me set the stage for you. Uh, it, it was the month of August, and it was going to be my first time as an adult flying uh, to Miami. Some of my homeboys from high school, we had planned uh, a guy's trip to Miami, and I was excited about going to Miami. I had already bought my ticket. I had already reserved my room. And so, y'all, weeks in advance, I am excited about going to Miami. Now, y'all know that week before at work, I'm there, but I ain't really there. Anybody had a kind of trip before where you already in vacation mode, and your car workers know you're going to get much out of it this week. You got to put that on the calendar for when they come back. I'm already in vacation mode, and I remember the morning of, I got to get to VWI Airport. I'm leaving out of VWI Airport. However, it was dark in the sky. Oh, the ominous clouds were there, and a thunderstorm was on the way, and I am now worried, like, Lord, this is going to mess up my flight because now I'm mentally already in Miami. Miami just got to get to what I am. And so I'm, I'm already there. And I get to the airport. I'm wondering, go be delayed. How's it going to work? There's a little bit of a delay. Then I look out on the plane. I see them clouds. It's raining a little bit. I'm, oh, I, this is uh, making much sense. And the Lord reminded me, you, know, you have already paid for this ticket. The way your checking account saves account is set up, you ain't got time to do it. You can already reserve this room. And so I, I'm, I'm going to stay on this plane. My friends are already there. I remember 
members uh, taxing on the runway, and the pilot says this phrase. Uh, the pilot says, um, there's a storm there, and, and we're going to hit a little turbulence. Now, this is not a good way to start a flight. And just for those who may not know, if your pilot comes home and he starts the conversation not by saying, hi, welcome to Delta, uh, hi, welcome uh, to Southwest, if they start by saying that, that I'm Buckle up. Don't, don't be the one to avoid buckling this time. Get, get ready. And so he tells us we're going to hit, we're going to hit some turbulence, uh, but I'm, I'm going to get us uh, to 35,000 feet, and then uh, we'll be have smooth sailing. I'm a G. I'm from the South. I'm a man. And so I'm going to act like it's normal. I put my headphones on, and I'm going to go to sleep. Fifteen minutes later, you have been on the plane. You hit that bump in the air. And woke me up, the lady next to me is holding on for dear life. Oh, the turbulence was real. I'm by the window. I'm looking at this little wing saying, Lord, this thing is not going to last. This is going to be it for me. I hope they say something good. And I knew I was not going to make it. He died on his way to Miami. That's what they're going to say. And, and, and I'm worried. And the lady next to me is, is freaking out. I'm trying to hold my composure. And, and then... I felt myself go back in the seat and I heard the engines rev up more. And I'm wondering why in the midst of all of this turbulence is the pilot going faster? <laughs> and then there was the sun and the turbulence stopped. And as the pilot had said, we had gotten to such an altitude that we had gotten, a, but the storm was still there. But he knew to use the momentum of the plane to get us through the rockiness of the turbulence that we can get to an altitude that we were able to soar above the storm. Listen, brothers and sisters, some of us never take off because of the threat of turbulence. Some of us never leave the ground because of the fear of turbulence. I, I mean, I would ask for the promotion, but my co-workers, you know, we hang out at lunch and every day and they're going to start thinking that I'm better than them. I, I would start my own company, but, but it's not what I went to school for. So my family is going to be upset. I would invite my neighbor to church, but they might not be into church. All of a sudden, it starts an argument. And many of us never achieve what God has for us to achieve because of the fear of turbulence. God said to me, share with the people, if you're going to maximize your potential as a believer, then you've got to understand that momentum will get you further in life. Momentum will take you further than you thought possible. Momentum will take you further than other people were willing to go. Momentum will take you further than others told you you could go. Momentum will take you through turbulence. Momentum will take you through obstacles. Momentum will take you through your fields. Touch your neighbor and say, you need some momentum. You need, you need some momentum. Here we are. Once again, at Luke's Gospel. There's three things that I want us to glean from this text this morning. Go with me, if you will, to a town called Capernaum, near the banks of the Sea of Galilee, also referred to as the Lake of Gennesaret. 
And we're going to we're going to use our spiritual imagination, if you will. And we're going to fill in the backdrop. I want you to, to go with me there and we're going to eavesdrop on a conversation that may have happened the night before Jesus says launch out into the deep. Can y'all go there with me? We're going we're gonna to eavesdrop on a conversation that would have happened uh, the night before Peter. Uh, Peter, Simon Peter, he gets ready uh, for his night of fishing because being a fisherman wasn't a wealthy person's job. He had a few struggles. He had, you know, he had he had some of those struggles that says if I had a credit card, I would I would go and, and use my check card and pray. Lord, don't let it be. Let me get my receipt. He had some of them kind of struggles. Some of us can identify with those kind of struggles where, you know, you just hope there's something you ain't check your account because you don't want to be surprised. And so he he has these kinds of struggles because he's a fisherman. And that's that's really a poor person's job. For days, he's been dealing with a sick mother-in-law who lives with him. That's Luke chapter number four. Tells us she had a fever. And y'all know during that time, fever could kill uh, people. So he's dealing with a sick mother-in-law. She's been sick for days. But finally, she started to feel better. But then as soon as that got better, his wife uh, says to him, listen, I need to go get some groceries. We need some food in the house. And so I need you to catch some fish tonight so you can sell it so I can finally go get some food in the house. So he leaves home thinking that I really need to have a good night fishing because there's no food in the house. And, and I'm caring not just for myself, but for my family and my mother-in-law who finally got better. He, he left home with the weight of his responsibility on his shoulders, praying for a good night. He's out there all night and some of the other fishermen, he can see them pulling in fish. But each time he pulled his, his net in, he, he caught nothing. As the hours went by, sun came over the horizon. He realized it wasn't going to be a night for him until he started rowing to shore. Pulls the boat in. He, he sits down. I need you to picture him there washing and cleaning his nets, wondering what he's going to say to his wife who, who needed him to have a good night. It didn't happen for him. Wondering how he's going to provide for his family. Can you see him there on the, on the bank of the Sea of Galilee contemplating, what am I going to do now? I've had a, I've had a bad night. We already don't have much. He's, he's cleaning his net. And then he sees this crowd start walking towards him. They are following Jesus. Jesus comes up to Simon Peter and says, Peter, good to see you again. How's your mama doing? You see, Jesus had came to Peter's house the day before and healed his sick mother-in-law. And, and Peter says, thank you. Uh, she's, doing, she's doing well. Uh, Peter, I see you ain't got no fish, but that's fine. Can I use your boat? Can, can I use what you have? You ain't got much. Can I use your boat to do a little teaching? And Peter says, sure. I mean, you ain't got no fish in there. Go ahead. Jesus teaches the crowd. And after teaching the crowd, Jesus looks at Peter who's already cleaned his net and says, Peter, launch out into the deep to let down your net. The first thing that I want us to see in this text this morning is that if you're going to maximize your moment, watch this, you have to be willing to overcome your fears. Somebody say overcome, overcome fears. 
When I look at the text, I had to ask the question, because Jesus says to Peter, who is a fisherman, to launch out into the deep. And I, I had to ask the question, I said, Peter, why didn't you fish in the deep water? I mean, it just seems like it would make sense. It seems like it would be more fish there. Peter, this is what he said to me, y'all, my spiritual imagination. Peter began talking to me. Peter says, oh, let let me tell you a little bit about where I am from. Let me tell you about. Let me tell you about my area. You see, the Sea of Galilee, Lake of Gennesaret, is is special. There were a lot of fishermen in the area that we were all poor. We were all trying to make ends meet, so we had a lot of competition in the area. So all of us would be fishing uh, at night. And, but you need to understand that there are different kinds of fishermen. You know, uh, there there are those who use small circular nets. They would stand on the shore and they would throw it and they would just put it. In. They wouldn't get in the boat. Maybe they didn't have enough money for a boat. Uh, they wouldn't get in the boat. They would just throw it from the shore and pull in a few fish. That's a small circular net. But then uh, there's mid-range fishermen. We, we would row our boats out and let down our nets one or two fathoms. That's, that's about six to 12 feet. We would let it down about six to 12 feet. And then we would row back in and pull our nets in. That's the kind of fisherman I am. I'm, I, I ain't on the shore no more. At least I got a little boat so we can row out a little bit. I, I'm that kind of fisherman. Now, there are some in the area, not where I'm from, but just in the area that are deep water fishermen. Uh, these fishermen would go out and they would let their nets down some areas where it's 20 to 30 feet deep. And what's interesting about deep water fishing is you didn't just pull your net in. Somebody had to dive off the boat and go underneath the net to, in essence, tie a circle so that we could capture the fish and then they would have to get back in the boat. We don't do that kind of fishing where I'm from. You see, we, we got some mid-level fishermen, but nobody goes out into the deep water. Uh, uh, Peter, why doesn't anybody go out into the deep water? You see, the Sea of Galilee, Lake of Genesaret, is special. It's 13 miles long, 8 miles across, but it's 650 feet below sea level. Y'all stay with me. And it's surrounded by mountains. And because it's surrounded by mountains, suddenly turbulence could hit the water. And you could find yourself trying to keep your boat from flipping over. And if you're out there two, three miles and you find yourself having flipped over, you might not make it back to shore. As a matter of fact, Pastor Bob, if you keep reading your Bible, you will see an instance where we are on our ship, on our boat, and there was a storm that showed up, and Jesus is same place, Lake Nazareth. See again, we don't really do that because storms could show up there, and because of that, the people in my town are great fishermen. But we've learned that we can't do deep water fishing. That's that's for other people. So I made up in my mind that I did not do deep water fishing because I did not want to deal with the turbulence. I did not want to have to try to fight the waves or the possibility of storms creeping up on me while I'm out there in the night. And because I didn't want to do the turbulence, I decided that I was just going to be mid-range and be satisfied with that. But not only that, I did not want to deal with the possibility of failure. You know, the reason we don't do deep water fishing is because other folk have done it before and they didn't make it. Because I don't want to be the one having grown up and having people tell me, don't go out that far. And I go out of my boat and 
look, my boat flipped over, then they got to call somebody. Hey, can y'all come help me? And then for years, they're talking about you the one who was crazy. We told you you got to go out there. Anyway, so because of that, I didn't want to deal with the possibility of failure. Because I didn't want to deal with the possibility of failure, I never went out. I never went out into the deep water. That, that's part of it. But then another thing I was kind of scared of, in a very real sense, I got to admit, I was scared of going out there and succeeding. You see, um, because all of us do the same thing, I mastered this. But if I mess around, I go out there and I catch a good bit of fish and I bring it in. Everybody gonna know I got out there and caught a good group of fish. The problem is, it's scary out there, but if I go out and I succeed, I can never go back to the mid-level because they will always expect me to be the one to go out and do great things. And so I'm afraid that people will have high expectations of me if I succeed. Not only that, I'm afraid that if I succeed, people will start asking me questions about how I did it. And because I think other people are more talented than me, and I don't feel as though I'm qualified, I'm scared if I succeed, I might get found out. And so for that reason, I'll stay right at average. I settle at being average because that's what everybody else was doing. My brothers and my sisters, there are so many that can identify with Peter's struggle. You've lived an average mundane life because that's what was expected of you. You've learned to be afraid of something bigger. You've learned about the possibility of failure when going after something bigger. You've even been afraid of success because you've seen other people successful, but you doubted that you were as good as them. So you go every day being average, afraid of the turbulence, afraid of the failure, and even afraid of success. And listen to this. Sometimes the enemy isn't the devil, it's your complacency with average. Ooh, Pastor, that was good. Okay, I'll say it again. Sometimes the enemy isn't the devil, it isn't your haters, it isn't some attack against you. Sometimes it's your complacency with being average. Sometimes it's your complacency with status quo. That you've become comfortable with doing the same exact thing is everybody else. You are a product of your environment. And that has caused you to develop a fear of more. It has caused you to develop a fear of being different. Here, I'm, as a pastor, I've dealt with the same thing. I'm a product of my environment. My environment says preachers are supposed to dress like this. Preachers are supposed to talk like this. Preachers are supposed to carry themselves and interact like this. And because of that, if you're pastoring a church, you're supposed to pastor it like this. Don't go out into the deep. This is what they told me, y'all. You can grow a church fast, but that ain't no church. That's a crowd. And so they would tell you, don't do that. You got to do it. You got to. That, 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 that's a product of the environment. And many of us are products of what other people told us was expected of us. And we learn to live into somebody else's expectation and a fear of what God has for us. Peter says, I was a product of my environment and my environment had taught me to settle for what was and to be afraid of what could be. But if you're going to maximize your moment, 
Hear this. You've got to recognize the fear and accept that it is the opposite of who God made you to be. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. God has not called us to be afraid. If you're going to maximize your moment, you've got to recognize that fear is not of God. It is of the devil, and you've got to make up in your mind, I'm rejecting fear and going after everything that God has for me. Peter, what what made the difference for you? What what caused you to overcome your fear? What what caused you to know that there is a possibility of turbulence and still roll out into the deep void? What what caused you to know that it was possible that you could fail, but you still rolled out into the deep water? Peter, was it the fact that you caught no fish and you were too scared to go back to your wife and say, baby, we ain't got nothing, I don't know what to tell you? Was it that you were afraid of being confronted by an angry black woman? Peter, was that your issue? Peter said, no, that, that was part of it. I ain't gonna lie, that was part of it. Uh, but it's a little bit more than that. It's more than that. I realized, second thing, that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay. Um, I'm a southerner. Uh, so those who are northerners, you may not get this. That's fine. Uh, but I'm, I'm a southerner. There, there may be some others who are, who are southerners in here. Now, um, as a southerner, I learned growing up uh, that obedience was better uh, than sacrifice. Let me tell you how I learned that obedience was better than sacrifice. I've been told by my grandmother by my mom to, to do something and because I ain't feel like doing it. I didn't. And and they told me, okay, cool, um, no problem, you ain't got to do it. Just go outside by the tree right there and, and pull off one of them, one of them the, the little thin one, the little, bring that right there, the little leaves and everything like that. Just bring that, bring that. And they, they said, and they talked to me, and they started pulling the little leaves off. All of a sudden, they started tearing me up with one of them little switches, and I started dancing. It was in that moment that I realized obedience is so much better uh, than I had. I remember one Christmas, I got a, uh, I think it was a Nintendo uh, 64, and and I was happy about it. I felt like I had already arrived. My cousin them just so happened to be in town, but this is my Nintendo uh, 64. And my mama told me to let them play with it. <laughs> they mama should have gotten them one. This is my Nintendo 64. And so I didn't let them play with it. And my mama found out that I didn't let them play with it. My mama, at this point in time, she didn't tell me to go get a switch. We're in the city now. You can't really find switches in the city. That's why northern folk, y'all may not understand this, but southern folk, we, we understand. So I, I'm in New Orleans and I, I don't have access to a switch. So she didn't get a switch. She didn't get a belt. None of that. My mama said, okay, cool. No problem. Let me see it real quick, baby. Okay, y'all can have it. Oh. I realized that obedience. It's so much better than sacrifice. My brothers and my sisters, Peter said, I began to think about what Samuel said when he realized that obedience to God is so much better than sacrifice. I saw what Jesus did with my mother-in-law. And because I know there is power in his word, because I realized there's something different about his life, I began to trust his word. Come here. Let me see if I can give us a come here, Jonah. What happened? 
when you disobey God, you decide to do your own thing. Jonah would say, I learned that obedience is so much better than sacrifice. When I did it my own way, I chose to disobey God. I put myself and other people in danger. And maybe right now, some of the struggle that you have, some of the struggle that your family is going through is because you decided to settle for average. God has so much more for you. You decided, Lord, I know what you want me to do, but I'm going to do it my own way because I'm more comfortable with average. Peter said, I chose to obey his word, and because I recognized that there was something special about his word, I saw what he did with my mother-in-law, but then I saw the crowd, and I sat, and I listened to him as he taught the crowd, and it did something to me, and I made up in my mind, I ain't got nothing to lose. Everything I have is because God has blessed me, and because of that, I will obey his word, because obedience is better than sacrifice. I realize if I don't obey him, I can lose the little that I have and therefore I chose to, to row out into the deep water. I chose to maximize the momentum found in his word. Listen, my brother, my sisters, if you want this year to be a powerful year for you, I challenge you to obey God's word because obedience is so much better than sacrifice. Sometimes it's not that God would beat us, sometimes it's that God would allow us to do our own thing and you experience the difficulty of doing it your own way, only to find out thousands of dollars later, hours later, four five relationships later, that it's so much better to do it God's way. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Then his last thing he teaches us that you've got to be open to sharing. Somebody said you got to be open. You got to be open to sharing. He says, when I went out into the deep water, oh, I love this so much in this, I caught so many fish that I couldn't handle it. And I had to be willing to share with others what God had blessed me with. But watch this, y'all. This gets this, this so much gooder. I love saying that word gooder. Watch this. It gets good because... He had to call for help. Y'all ain't getting it. Okay, let me take the scene. He's not in shallow water. And everybody in his town is used to fishing in shallow water. He rolls out to the deep. He got so much he can't handle. And he has to say, hey, y'all, come help me. Y'all look at me like, huh? Okay, let me try one more time. All right. Everybody in his town for years have been used to fishing in shallow water because his days are in the deep water. Yeah. He rolls out into the deep. I mean, his cousin them, his mom and them, his uncle and them, they all in shallow water. His homeboy, the people he went to school with, they all have mastered shallow water fishing. He hears the word of God. He launches out into the deep. He catches so much that he can't handle it. He has to say, hey, no, don't stop, keep coming. No, 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 come, come on. I need you to help me out here in the deep water. And when he did that, all of us begin to think, okay, y'all still look at me like, huh? In other words, when you trust God and launch out into the deep, God will bless you that your family will have to get out of the comfort of the average and come out to help you. He will bless you in such a way that your friend circle all of a sudden is elevated because you dare to launch out into the deep. You 
free somebody else that I can go to. He was open to sharing. Can I share this with you? You are blessed at the level of your willingness to share. You, you are blessed at your level. Let me, let me put some Bible. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower. Maybe you ain't got no seed because God can't trust you to be a sower. You've got to be willing to share what God has blessed you with. And once you do that, God says, oh, let me give them some more seed because they are the ones planting the seed and seeing other people's lives change because of it. And the question you've got to wrestle with is if I'm willing to maximize my momentum to push past my fears and obey God's word. And once I am blessed, I can't be stingy with it. I've got to be willing to call somebody else and say, listen, let me give a little bit one that's a seed giver, one that's willing to sow, and watch God pour out a blessing in your life until it overflows. I'm done. There's one other part here. It ain't, and I'm sorry with the O. All my other ones started with the O. This is so different. I missed it when I first read it. Read the Bible fast, you will miss something. Um, Peter gets all the fish, and I want you to see him coming in with all the fish. Now, Peter had caught nothing before. Remember, Peter um, got to go back home to this sister who's like, you're gonna bring something up in this house today. And so uh, now he got a whole lot that can make a difference for his family. And when he gets to shore, everybody else is shocked. He went out there, caught all these fish, and then called other people out to the beach to help him. And you would think, Peter would just say, wow, that was awesome. Y'all look at what I did. You would think, Peter would just say thank you. That's not what happens. The Bible says that when Peter got to shore, he fell on his knees before the Lord and said, depart from me because I am a sinner. Watch this. He was so blessed, he was confronted by his own unworthiness of God blessing him. And my brothers and my sisters, when you dare to master